Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38, and, and he's looking at the crowds and it says that he was moved with compassion because he saw their need. He was moved with compassion. And we know that Jesus not only was moved with compassion, we know that uh, within him was a desire to see action by what it says there. And we know that within him was a heart that could believe for, for what could be changed and what could be transformed. He sees extraordinary need. He sees incredible potential. And he sees a capacity issue. I'm not here to talk about capacity issues as such today, but it does set us up. Here's my question for you. If you could change one thing right now, just one thing, for the disempowered, for the, for the powerless, the voiceless, the vulnerable, the hurting, those in need, if you could change just one thing right now for some group or someone in your sphere of immediate influence, so we've been talking about global, I just want to shrink it local now, if you could change just one thing, what would you do and who would you do it for? If you change just one thing for a group, a person that's vulnerable, that's disempowered, um, et cetera, et cetera. Who would it be? And if you're like me, there lies a challenge. I would call myself a time-poor person. I mean, Bron rang me yesterday and asked, Daz, can we give money to X? Like, it's, a joint, it's always a joint decision because ongoing commitment. And it's like, yeah, have we got capacity? She's like, yeah. I'm going, yeah, well, we can, of course we can do that. But if you ask me for something of my time, I'm a time-poor person. It is leverage to the hilt. I went to bed after midnight. I got up shortly after five. And I've been going up until then, and I've been going ever since. I'm time-poor. Some of you are time-poor. Some of you are money-poor. Some of us are resource-poor. Some of us are just out of energy. So with that in mind, I just want us to think about this. If things changed, if you could, understanding that you might not be able to. If you're in a position to, what would you change tomorrow for somebody? Where would you elevate? Where would you alleviate? Where would you liberate the life of someone poor, someone powerless, someone broken, whatever it might be, um, around you today in your sphere, immediate sphere of influence? And if you're a Christian, obviously it is important because this is what God calls us to. I mean, Jesus said he came into the world, obviously, to liberate people from sin, but to set the oppressed free. And it, it has double meaning right across that whole conversation of Isaiah 61. If you were in a position to, what would you change tomorrow? Where would you alleviate, elevate, value and liberate people's lives that are all around you? Um, you know, one of the things for me, my natural bend in, in my time poor life, I try to take time, is... I come from a family, many of you know, where my mum largely raised us. I mean, for me, little kids with one parent who, and the parent is struggling, for me, that will always move me. That will always bust me. I always want to do something about that space in the little way that I can. And what is it for you? I mean, I'd like to do more. I'd like to do way more. But what is it, what is it for you? What would it be? Where would you make one change? How would you do something? And so... So here's, here's our focus today. We want to reduce the gap between people's desperate need for right now action 
and our limitation preventing us to act anytime soon. Does that make sense? We want to reduce the gap between people's right now need, what they need to happen now to be liberated from oppression or whatever it is, you know, they're a victim, whatever it is. We, we want to bridge the gap. We want to narrow the gap between that and our ability to act anytime soon. And if we can today bring those things closer together so that there might be action on behalf of people who really need the church to help in some small way at your level, if we could do something like that today, just bridge that gap, I think we win for people, not just feel better about ourselves. Um, but the challenge isn't you and it's not going away, is it? The two things Jesus highlighted, the, the great need and uh, the lack of ability to act. The, the two, in fact, Jesus said to his disciples one day, hey, the poor will always be with you. Now, it doesn't mean we can just go, hey, the poor will always be with us. But what it does mean that this, this, this challenge, these two ends, these two tensions in this challenge have existed since time began. Um, and, and it's not going away anytime soon. But the Bible gives us a solution. It gives us a way forward individually as people, as followers of Jesus. So I want to take you to it. It's coming up on the screen, that much maligned but incredibly wise book of the Bible, Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. Have a look at this. This is your way forward. This is my way forward. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Verse 10, do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Just want to pause. Uh, just, uh, it's not really directly connected. But do you know that whilst ancient world, the ancient world had some systems around this, the Jews were the only people who had a system for the foreigner, which really we should factor into our thinking as we think about people moving to town and all of those kinds of situations who would be even refugees as we have opportunity to do something about that. The Jewish people were the first people I'm understanding from commentators that not only helped their poor but made provision for the foreigner just like God here's the next one it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and um, same idea when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf part of the crop do not go back to get it leave it for the foreigner the fatherless and the widow so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands isn't that an interesting thought when you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widow. In that time, that was about as difficult a situation as you could find yourself in. To be a widow, to be a uh, fatherless, and to be a foreigner. And the Bible says, God made provision. And it's called the gleaning principle. Uh, Bron touched on it. I want to take us a little bit further with it today. We're not talking strictly about money here. Please understand, this is not a money talk. This is something other than that. I've got 10% left on my charge. Let's see how far we get. I better speak fast. This is called the gleaning principle. And, and what the gleaning principle does, it, 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 so you go over the, the field owner, goes over the fields, the business owner goes over the fields, and they take their harvest, but they don't go back again. And they leave something on the edges, and they leave whatever fell through the system for the poor and the needy to come and get it. What a brilliant system. And, and, and so that's, that's how it was meant to, to work. And what it did was it moved the power base. It moved the power base from the rich, rich landowner uh, to, to the poor, didn't it? The gleaning principle moved the power base like in a moment of time. 
so that people suddenly had power over their lives again as they could provide. But also what it did, it, it, it shifted the power base for those who have much because suddenly they're not living out to their edges anymore. Uh, does anyone live to their edges? I mean, I, in, I know in Sydney there's a crisis as we head to the election. They're saying if interest rates move and prices stay down, households are in desperate trouble, homeowners, because people are leveraged to their limits rather than living back from the edges. My time is leveraged to its limits. It's not something that you can do forever. It's why I'm grey. I would still have strawberry blonde hair if it wasn't for the fact that you work me so hard around here <laughs> that I work 6.5 days a week. It's on you. No, it's not. But nor is any situation we find ourselves in on anyone else in terms of where we're leveraged to, how busy we are, that's on us. So, so you got the idea. I want to give the gleaning principle a modern name as we talk about helping those who need it most. Uh, let's modernize the name. We'll call it margin that makes a difference. Margin that makes a difference. Listen to Ruth chapter 2. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. He's a landowner. He says, Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of the harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? Weird kind of question. Get the impression Boaz about my age at the time. The overseer replied, she is a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves, right? So she's gleaning in the fields of what's left over. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Just pause in brackets. I would say, you know, one of the things about the biblical principle is not a handout. It's a help out that if I'm in a spot, I need to be proactive around that to the degree that I can. Sometimes we're paralyzed, sometimes impossible, but many times people can do something in the midst of their circumstance. And so he says to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me, don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you, so pause again. Just that, you know, someone can have the gleaning principle in place and doing the wrong thing by women. You can do the right thing with the wrong spirit and what a tragedy that would be. You know, it's not about, any of this is not about us. It's actually about the people on the end, the recipients of, and glory to God. And so it goes on and says, if you're thirsty, go and get a drink. The water jars um, with the men. She got up to glean Boaz, gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. So she was going in getting better returns, even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Sounds like a Michael Dormer kind of farm going on here. Just, um, he's still going to get a crop somewhere, we're just not sure how. Um, so Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, right? So she's working really hard. She carried it back into town and her mother-in-law saw it and said, and etc. and it goes on. And so here we see the gleaning principle. Here we see margin that makes a difference. And I think this can, we can move towards doing a better job of this. How brilliant is Mikey Barla? I've now got a charger. Not good for you, but great for me, maybe. But, um, so here's the thought, margin that makes a difference. Here's the starting place. If you listen to Boaz's story, what do we see? We see that um, margin that makes a difference was a way of seeing, it was a way of thinking, and it was a way of living. That, that's the first thing. It was a way of seeing, it was a way of thinking, it was a way of living. And, and, and that's really important. If I'm going to live with margin that makes a difference, I, I want to come to it with that kind of spirit. Now, why don't you all watch me instead of Mikey, because I'm just feeling really insecure right now about this. 
So, not really. That looks terrible, but it's very effective. Um, thank you. So, thinking about it, margin that makes a difference, a way of seeing. Is it how you see? Living with room on the edges to advance what God wants to get done for people. Is it, is it your way of seeing? Is it your way of thinking? Is it your way of, of living? Is that who we are at the core of our being? One of the things for me as a church, I always want us to be a church with a soul. Sometimes I walk in on a Sunday and, I, and what I'm going is going, how's the soul of our church? Like we're doing the motions, we know how to get everything to work, we know how to make it all happen, but how's the soul of our church? Making a difference um, with our margin, is, it's a soul thing, it's a heart and soul thing, it's a, the way we see, it's the way we think, it's the way we live, is that how you are as it relates to our time, as it relates to our resources, as it relates to our finances, is that the way we, we, look, at, we look at life because it does really change everything, margin that makes a difference. So Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24 and 25 uh, coming, it says, there is one who scatters yet increases more. Pause just again. Um, I, this, is, this is a principle for every, if you're a Christian today, this is a, Christ, this is a principle to get in our heart. Uh, the, I didn't tell you the call. So the call Bron sent to me um, yesterday to say, hey, what do you reckon about doing this, was to sponsor for us another compassion child on your seat. And so some years ago, doesn't matter how many years, we just said, look, we're pretty tired, but what if we just sponsored a new child every year until we run out of room? You know what's interesting? We've never run out of room. We've never run out of room. 35 years. Not really. My wife's only 38. 35 <laughs> years, sorry. <laughs> but, but each year we've been able to do that and we've never felt it. Well, if we have, I can't tell you where. And here's why. There is one who scatters yet increases more and, there are, and there's one who withholds more than what is right. There's a scattering, if you believe in God, there's a scattering, there's a scattering that actually does incredible good and God blesses back. I don't know how it works. Don't ask me. I don't know. I just know it does. And for you and I, if we get that on the inside of our heart, man, that is a game changer in life. Suddenly we go from trying to keep the sheave, the little grain out on the end of the harvest field, you know, make sure I put that in my pocket, don't waste that, don't give that to anyone, don't use that for anything other than us leveraging it for our future because who knows what's going to happen someday soon. Now we should provide and we should make provision for the future. But what I want us to see there is that there's one who increases. Next verse, this is where I want, the generous soul will be made rich. It's, it's a way of seeing, it's a way of thinking, it's a way of living, it's a generous soul will be made rich. There's another proverb that says, um, in Proverbs 22, verse 9, they live with a generous eye. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. They, they see things that other people are missing. Don't you love people like that? I love people like that. They just see things that other people are missing because they've just got a generous eye. That's the kind of spirit I'm sure you and I want to live with. So that's our starting place. Here's the second thought. I didn't know this was going to shut down. I didn't turn the thing off. Margin that makes a difference, plans for leftovers. That's what we've got going on here, just plans for leftovers. Bron and I were at a celebration with um, Betty and uh, uh, Jerry for one of their children's birthdays, a Fijian celebration, if you've ever been to one. I did not eat all day. Here's what I knew. I knew there would be more good Fijian food to eat than I would be able to eat. Before I got there, I knew that there would be more leftovers than I could possibly go back and consume. And I knew they'd be awesome. 
they plan for leftovers. Fijians always plan for leftovers. And the gleaning principle or margin that makes a difference just plans leftovers into the mix. Don't need any increase for there to be leftovers. It's this crazy idea called living within our means. And so when we plan for leftovers with the, the amount that we have, that becomes a game changer for someone else. I don't need any increase. I just need to work within the means of what I already have, pull back from the edges a little bit, and suddenly I find that there's something, something going on. That's a plan for leftovers. Uh, here's the next thought. Um, people who live with margin that makes a difference choose to restrict their lifestyle. Boaz's lifestyle doesn't look so restricted to me. Do you think, like, when you listen to it? His lifestyle is probably about as restricted as most of ours would be by pulling in um, the edges from back from the edges a bit, choosing to restrict our a lifestyle in a way that empowers the lives of others. Got this quote from Mother Teresa coming on the screen. I think this says it all. Live simply that others may simply live. Don't you love that? We're not even suggesting live simply. We're just talking about moving back slightly from the edges so there's room on the fringe, just pulling back just a, a tiny bit, restricting our own lives that we might empower the lives of others. Um, that's why a cause like eye-openers, which is one of our causes at our end-of-the-month March mission offering, is going to is such a good cause because I know how much that um, um, David and Gay um, leave room around the edges and Mitch and Desley leave room around the edges as those who lead it. It's really good soil um, because they're living the way we're talking about today and they limit themselves so that they can uh, empower the lives of others. It's just a, an incredibly powerful way to live living a little more simply that others can simply live. Our time, our resource, and our voice. I think all three are incredibly powerful as we localise that. Our time, our resource, and our voice. Um, um, time's straightforward, I think. Our resource, so we've got resource, not even talking about money here, we've got resource that can be used. I'll give you an example, would be our kids club here in Gunnedah, um, is that when I'm moving around various places and talking to lots of pastors, one of the things I always give voice to is kids after school. Everywhere I go, I'm like, hey guys, let's start seeing the renewal of the next generation. It's not a big resource, but it reaches a lot of pastors. And so I can take that resource, I can take that voice and leverage it for someone else. Um, and what about you? What, what, what could you use in terms of time, in terms of resource, in terms of your voice somewhere? How can we champion cause that makes a difference um, for people? Here's the question. What could you redistribute that might be slightly restrictive for you and your lifestyle, but potentially liberating for someone else? What could you release? Not talking about a massive overhaul, just on the fringes. What, what, could, you, what could you potentially release? Here's the next thought. People who live with margin that makes a difference, extend help that hurts. Sometimes it just will hurt, like moving someone's house. Is there anybody who likes moving anybody's house? Is there anybody who loves that? I'm pretty confident that Scott Heaney and Frank Coleman love it because they have moved people more times than I can think of. Those guys clearly love moving other people's stuff from one house to another house on their Saturday. Or, or they've created margin that can make a difference for somebody else. Yeah. 
So sometimes helping just hurts. And it's really important we don't sit there today and go, oh, well, Darren, nobody's helping me. That is not the point of this message. If people capture this message, that will shift by degrees, right? But the point of this message is me. Because I do feel neglected. I do feel like none of you helped me. I do feel like, <laughs> not really. If you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry, the Bible says, and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, if you spend yourselves, it's going to cost me something. If I spend myself on behalf of the hungry, if I satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. That sounds familiar. Um, he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And it goes on and says, your people will rebuild, your people will raise up, and your people will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwelling. As we extend ourselves on behalf of those who can't help themselves, something powerful really starts to go on in terms of the promise of God, the effect on their lives, and what can build and what can rise. When restricting our lifestyle on the fringes, meets extending ourselves in small ways. That's a place where something with incredible potential lives. When restricting my life and extending myself on behalf of the powerless, the poor, the oppressed, those in need of help in a temporary moment, something incredible can go on. So let me give you a way forward today. Let me give us something we can take away and move towards. You ready? Number one thought, intentionally creating margin that makes a difference. Here's the first thought. Um, is there something within your immediate sphere that you're just busted over or passionate about? What is that? I mean, really busted over, really passionate about what is that? Is there something? Um, I've talked to you just before. You know, I drive by bus stops and think, well, I don't know how effective it'll be, but we've got to start a kids' club. We've got to, kids need to know they're loved. They need to know they're valued. Lots of great parents. I'm not talking about those parents. I'm talking about everyone else. We need to do something. What about you? What, what busts you when it comes up? What, what breaks your heart? What are you really passionate about? I want us to take our margin and do something about that space. A lot of people I've written here live in no man's land when it comes to this. They're not happy about what's happening and they're not unhappy enough to do anything about it. I just want to be part of the, we're going to do something about it, whatever that is in your heart. So here's a step. Listen to this, what Jesus said. This is our way forward. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Anyone who gives a cup of water, it's not the size of the thing, it's the significance of the thing related to the, as it relates to the need and in relation to my capacity. If Dan gives me a cup of water, that is not generous because he's got capacity. Well, unless I'm desperate for water. But if I give Dan a cup of water, which I regularly do, and he's often ungrateful, <laughs> when that happens, he should be grateful. Because for me, that cup of water was very significant. I dug the well. I pulled up the water. I poured it into a bottle. I put it in the fizzer so it was sparkling for him because he does like sparkling water. And I delivered it to him. That is suddenly significant. Because I have no means and Dan has lots of means, the same cup of water can be significant or small, right? You know, we both have lots of means. But the, it, so when Jesus says a cup of water, it's in relation to the need and my ability to act. 
And so it's not the size of the thing. If it's small, great. If we're stretched to the, the, the ends of our capacity in time, resource, money, voice, if I'm stretched, it's just about going, okay, this is not big, but it is significant. For me to give an hour of my week, honestly, for me to give an hour of my week to have coffee with someone in need, that's a small deal to you. And, and many of you be thinking, Darren, that's what pastors do. I'm like, yeah, but that's big for me. That hour is coming from something else. I've got to take it from somewhere and put it towards there for in order. For, it's not just free space hanging on the fringe of my life. And for you, there's places where the small is significant for you. It's small, but it's significant. So I'm just thinking about that. What is, where is that for you? One hour, a phone call. Bron, Bron does not like talking on the phone. She loves talking in person. It's if you, I'm in the car with her. It's funny watching how awkward she is. She sounds so natural to you. But sometimes she's so awkward on the other end, it's bizarre to me. But what would it be? $10 a coffee, what would it be for you that is small given your lack of margin but could make a difference for someone who has need? I don't know, if you're a teenager, maybe you can put out the, the bins weekly for your elderly neighbour. Now, wouldn't that be great? What a message that would be. Just coming down to put out your bins. And a few of us in the room, if some teenager comes down, it doesn't mean you're elderly. I've got a feeling Mikey Barlow will turn up at my house and say, Darren, I'm here to put the bins out for you. <laughs> so, if he does, I'll run him over in the car. <laughs> what, what could you do? What's the one thing you can do starting now or move towards? So much of life is starting where we're at with what we have for who we can, isn't it? That, I mean, that is life. Everything sort of grows out of that. We just start where we're at with what we have for, for who we can and, and, and it goes from, from there. I wonder if David and Gay, I wonder if it entered David's wildest imaginations when he felt called to become an ophthalmologist. I wonder if it entered his mind even for a second that today they'd be opening the eyes of blind people through churches on the ground throughout the country of India and beyond. I wonder if that even entered his mind, but he started where he was at with what he had, who he could help. And so you and I, same thing, and just whatever we got on the fringes. Um, what's the one thing you can do starting now or move towards? Here's a second thought. Who's the one person you can do it for starting now or quickly moving towards? Who's the one person? I love this little phrase I heard from Andy Stanley back in the day. Do for one what you can't do for everyone. It's helped me so much. Do for one what you can't do for everyone. Who, when you think about it, you know, a cause in your heart, who's the one you can help? And then the final thing I just want to bring us to here is, as we shut is, Remember to do it all in Jesus' name. Jesus said, whoever gives a cup of water in my name. I don't know if I said it last time talking about the global poor, but I'll say it this time talking about the local disempowered, the locally disempowered. And that is that, that you know, to, to, for me to preach Jesus in a place where there's incredible need without action is hollow. I know it's powerful, but it's kind of hollow. But to do good without Jesus name is shallow because I fix the need you can gain the world and lose your soul so I want to bring answers in Jesus name I want to bring those two things together because that has power in the short term that has power eternally just doing good doing taking our margin and and leveraging it for good in Jesus name it's about justice and generous and kindness in Jesus name and so we can do something. This last image as I wrap this right now, this last image on the screen. This guy is what they call a Gideon. And um, 
He's at a school somewhere handing out these tiny little Bibles. Anyone ever seen one? Anyone ever had one? Right. So when I was at school, I got given one of those. I remember thinking, this guy's a nerdy, Bible-bashing Christian. But I took my little Gideons, because deep in my heart, I believed in God. I remember taking my Gideons away. Now, years later, at the age of 21, I would hide in my bedroom with my little Gideon's Bible tucked away. And I just started to read. My eyes couldn't do it anymore. Just started to read. Just started to read. Just started to read. And a few months later, I find myself in church. On that first Sunday in church, I'm making a decision to surrender my life to Jesus. And as they say, the rest is history. But you know what? All those guys, most of those guys are predominantly businessmen. They're mainly busy people. And what they have to do is take money on the fringe of their life and just strip back from the edges. So someone did that for me. Someone stripped back the edges of their life to make a donation to ensure a Bible reach me. And then someone else, again, if they're in business, they're probably busy, determined that they would strip back from the edges of their life as it related to their time to come to a school and put a Gideon's Bible in my hand. And I don't know how many years later I'm sitting in my bedroom on the fringes of Sydney reading that thing until it leads me to Jesus. I tell you, your margin and mine can make a difference for people's lives, for their lives right now, for eternity to come. And we don't need a cent more. We don't need a moment more. You and I are always only going to have 168 hours in the week. It's just stripping back from the edges, creating some leftovers, restricting our life that we might empower the lives of others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing some more. Let me just pray and then we're going to, if you're visiting with us, since, since time began, actually before time began, but since time began, humanity has worshipped God with song across every culture, every timeline. Even Jesus, when he walked the earth, the Bible says, went up to the Mount of Olives and sung hymns to his Father. So in a moment, we're going to come and worship Jesus in song. Some people are going to close their eyes. Some people might raise their hands. I always like to say it's no more crazy than someone being at a footy game. In fact, it's far less crazy if you think about it. That we would worship the creator of all things, the creator of you, the one who loves you, the one who sent his son into the world, his name is Jesus, to pay the penalty of your sin and mine, to create the place where we could know peace with God as we trust in who he is and what he's done. We're going to worship that saviour that king today so let me pray and then we're going to worship together heavenly father thank you for every person here god i pray no one i just pray there'd be no guilt in the room around this all i pray would go on is the stirring of god in the hearts of your people that we might leverages leverage god the fringes of our life for a greater good help us god to restrict in the way you would to empower those who are powerless. Help us, God, with our money, with our time, with our resources, with the voice that you've given us. And God, I pray and thank you that you will do exactly what you've said. As we do that, I know you will pour out blessing, blessing that we can only put down to you. We thank you for that. 
Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.